I like that. Good stuff. All righty. Hey, uh, glad to be with you. Hey, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians in the New Testament. Uh, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right there in that little uh, epistles. And uh, we continue to talk about foundations for renewal, how we'll uh, bring life for ourselves and to the body of Christ, uh, bring life back to places that um, sometimes can grow, grow awful, stale, and dry, and old. You know, there's, you hear people say there's three things you can do with your money in life. Um, you can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. You ever heard something like that? You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. Well, that's really true for your life. The best use of your life is to invest your life in something that will outlast you. Doesn't that make us all feel good to know that you could do something, you could invest your life in something that would live on beyond your time here on this planet. The worst thing you can do is simply live for today and to live for yourself. And so today we talk about service. We talk about serving uh, in the kingdom of God. See, God didn't put you on earth just to live for yourself. And that's the way many people live. We live for ourselves. But he created you to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus say about himself? He said, there's two reasons I'm here. He said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we were created to be like him. So we, God has put us here to serve him. Now, serving God, when we talk about serving God, all of our services to God, but it practically fleshes out as serving others. Does that make sense? We, 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 can, we serve God and by serving others. And we serve others in the church. And that's the way many of us will apply this message most readily. Is that we'll serve God by serving in the church. And that's, we should do that. But we should also serve God outside of the church. To those who need him. And so we, should, we should do both. We should be serving in the church and out of the church. So even as we speak this morning and, and as we call us to decision today, I want us to, to resonate in our heart and our mind. Am I serving God in the church? Am I serving the body? But am I also, has, do I have a place of service that serves those outside the body? And, and honestly, Smoke Rise offers a lot of great opportunities to serve outside the church. There's, pl there's plenty of good opportunities to do that. Uh, the Bible tells us that whatever we do, to work at it with all of our heart, Paul said in Colossians, as working for the Lord. You see that? We're working for the Lord, but we're serving others as we do that. See, the, the world defines greatness in terms of power and possessions and prestige and position. Um, it, it's, it's like if you can demand services from others, then you've arrived. Everybody serves me. And many people come to the church after a while, we sort of get that way at church, like, uh, I should be, I'm here to be served. And, our, and in our self-serving culture, with its me-first mentality, acting like a servant, it's not a real popular uh, concept. See, but Jesus measured greatness in terms of service, not status. Jesus never went for status. He always was serving. And God determines your greatness not by how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. See, the least becomes the greatest. It's, a, it's an upside-down paradigm. And so a question for us today to, to consider is, are you more interested in being served or are you more interested in being a servant? It's a good question for all of us. Do, do we come, even in the church context, do we come 
to, to, to meeting of the church, to the gathering of the church, when we think about our church, do, do you first of all think, what is the church going to do for me? See, we, we live in a consumer society where people want to shop around and, and find a place that's going to serve and going to meet all of my needs. And certainly we do have meet, needs to be met. But I think even before that, we should look, where is the place where I can be used by God? Where is the place where I can flesh out my service for God and his kingdom? Uh, one little first grade, one first grade teacher asked her, the little kids in her class, said, what do you do to help at home? Asked the kids, kids that. Well, you can imagine got a lot of really good answers. One uh, by one, the answers came back, and one little girl said, I dry the dishes. One little boy said, I feed the dog. Another said, I sweep the floor. And everybody sort of went around the room and gave those type of answers, except one boy sitting in the back. And uh, she asked him, she said, what do you do to help out at home? And he said, oh, I stay out of the way. <laughs> and there's a lot of us like that, aren't there? There's a lot of people in the church like that, just content just to stay out of the way. In fact, I've seen polls where say that, uh, you know, you hear the 80-20, that 80% of the people do 20% of the work, 20% of the people do 80% of the service. I've seen it as high as 90, uh, that 90-10, that 10% will do 90% of the service in a church. And so let's talk about being servants today. Let's talk about serving God by serving others. Let's understand some things today about being a servant in God's kingdom. So I want to share with you three things today. We're going to do this out of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, where Paul is exhorting the, uh, the church at Ephesus. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm going to move pretty quick on the first two, hopefully, real quick on the first, a little longer on the second, and most of our time is going to be spent on that third uh, thought today. So let's, let's get started. First of all, you were made to serve God. And we've sort of already said that. You were made to serve God. See, everything by God, everything created by God was created for a purpose. Everything. And we're no different. Look what it says there in Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are God's handiwork. He fashioned us and created, in, created us in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. To serve. To do good things for him. To do his work. We're created to do that. We were made, literally made, to serve God. We were. Birds were created to sing. Everything's got a purpose. Bees were created to give honey. Cows give milk. Fish were created to swim. Dogs were created to win championships. Uh, and you were created for service. We were created to serve him. We were made to serve God. And so I will understand the purpose for which I'm created when I begin to understand what kind of person I am. It's important to understand our purpose. People say, what is purpose? That's a word we throw around a lot. Everything's created with a purpose. You're no different. I'm no different. What is purpose? Well, purpose, I say it like this. I've heard it like this. I think it really works. Purpose is what God intended from the beginning. So think about you. What did God intend from the beginning concerning you? He made you to serve him. And we're going to flesh out what that looks like. He made you to serve him. So we were made to serve God. Literally, God thought you up and fashioned you as his handiwork to do good works for him. So we were made to serve God. Second, let's talk about it, that we were not only made to serve God, every person was made to serve God, but not every person does that. Let me tell you this, you were saved to serve God. That's why you were saved. See, we think we were saved just to go to heaven one day. And uh, that's, a nice, uh, that's a nice outcome. It's a nice reward. 
But we, if you were made just to go to heaven, then of course, when you gave your life to Christ and you turned from your way to his way, why wouldn't he have just taken you right on up to heaven, right? You could have just immediately went. No, he leaves us on this earth for a certain amount of time. Our, our days are numbered so that we can serve him. We're, we're here to serve him. We were made we, and we're saved to serve him. We see it right there in Ephesians 2.10. He says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us. So he prepared us to, to, uh, to serve him. 2 Timothy 1.9 in the Living Bible, I love this. It says, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. There it is. He saved us. He chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it. We didn't deserve anything from him, but because that was his plan long before the world began to show his love and kindness to us and us reflect that to others through Christ. See, God has redeemed you so you can do his holy work. Now, you're not saved by your service. Some people get caught up in that and they think if I can do enough good things, if I can give enough money or if I can volunteer enough hours or if I can be a, better, a good enough person, than, than other people, I don't know what they're comparing themselves to. You know, we, we all like to compare to ourselves to somebody who's we think worse off than we are, right? We don't compare ourselves to somebody who's better off than we are, doing more, or has done more, or given more than we have. But we think if I can reach some level of comfortability by my service, then somehow or another, you know, that, that's how I, I sort of earn my way or sort of uh, get my way to heaven one day. But you're not saved by your service, but you're saved for service. Very clear. You're saved for service. See, in God's kingdom, you have a place, you have a purpose, you have a role, you have a function to fulfill. And this gives your life a lot of significance. It gives your life a lot of value. And you think about it. It costs Jesus his own life to purchase your salvation. He, he literally gave his life to redeem or to buy back your life. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul tells us you were bought at a price and then he says, therefore, we leave this part off, therefore, honor God with your bodies. And what does he mean, honor God with your bodies? Use what God has given you to honor him. And we honor here by serving him and serving those around us. See, we don't serve God out of guilt or fear or duty. And we shouldn't operate like that in the church either. You know, I, I never, ever try to guilt someone into serving in the church or to serve outside the church. Guilt doesn't work. Let me tell you, guilt won't last very long, right? Some people do that. Some pastors do that. Some elders do that. We guilt people into trying to serve. I, don't, I would never want you to do something out of guilt, but we should do it out of joy. That's the better route to take. It's to say, don't do this because you have to or because nobody's going to do it if you don't do it. We should do it because of the results of this, out of the joy, out of the gratitude of what he's done for you and what he's done for me. That's why we serve him. We owe him our lives. He gave his life for us. We owe him our lives. Through salvation, our past has been forgiven. Our present is given meaning and our future is secured. But we find that meaning in the present through serving him. So if I have no love for others, if, if you don't love and, others and have, a, have a, a, a passion for others, if you have no desire to serve others, if you're only concerned about your needs, then really I think you should question whether or not Christ is really a reality in your life because you've never stopped and looked at what, he done, what he's done for you to say, there's nothing I can't do for him. It's, do you have love? Do you have a heart? Do you have a desire See, a saved heart is one that wants to serve. 
The call to salvation and the call to service are really the same calling. They're not separated. They're the same thing. Jesus did that. You remember, Jesus called his disciples. He said, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Immediately, come follow me, and here's what we're going to do. At the same time, he didn't say, come follow me for a while, and then we'll do something else. Come follow me, and I'll make you a fishers of men right away. You'll begin to serve me. So what, so what does that mean? Does, does it mean that necessarily that every Christian is called to be a pastor? Does it mean that every Christian is, is called to, to work full-time at the church or in some other ministry opportunity like I do? But at the same time, every Christian is called to be in full-time Christian service. You see, don't, don't look at a pastor or don't look at one of the elders at the church who's on staff. Don't, don't look at them and think, well, they're in the ministry. They're the ones who do that. Look, that's just the way they express it is through that. And that's the way God vocationally provides for their family. You're just as much in full-time ministry, just as much in full-time service as I am or Pastor Henry is. You're just as much. We should be serving him every single day. That's our passion. That's our heart. That's why we get up, and that's why we go every day. doesn't matter if you work a, uh, what kind of job you work. doesn't matter if you're in school. doesn't matter if you're at home. Maybe you're retired. It doesn't matter. We have, a, we have a, an opportunity to serve him continually in that part of our life. Every Christian's to be in serving the Lord full time. Don't think that you have some other. Maybe God provides you an income in a different way, but you're still serving him full time. That's what it is. In God's ministry, there's no part-timers. There's really no half days. There's no holidays. It's not even nine to five. <laughs> you don't go on strike. And let me tell you something. There's no spiritual social security in God's kingdom. You don't get to a point where you play out and go, well, I've done my part. Now it's time for those others. No, it may change the way it looks. But listen, there's no retirement from serving God. There's just not. See, the work here that we're talking about that keeps being referenced is, is, is simply referring to ministry and service and ministry. Those words are they're simultaneous, really. It's the same word. In fact, the word uh, that the minister derives from the Latin word for servant, it's the same word. And it's based on the root word, which means less. So technically, a minister is someone of a lesser rank or status who simply wants to serve and not be served. We don't think of ourselves as better and I'm going to serve those below me. No, a servant is less and serves those around them. See, we're saved to serve. We weren't saved to sit, to soak, and to what? Sour. Isn't that what people always say? No, you were served to be, to do, and to go. That's what we were saved for. So God wants you to serve. He wants you to serve in the church. He wants you to find an opportunity to serve outside the church. We're made to serve. We're saved to serve. And then third... Let's talk about this. This is where it's going to come out. You were shaped to serve God. Shaped to serve him. Now, this is a word that uh, Rick Warren brought out many years ago, a little acronym that helps us understand. And there's other ways you can do this. This is just one that I like, uh, that I, I, it speaks to me, uh, that we're shaped to serve God. We're prepared to do good works for him, as Paul said there in the passage. Job 10, 8 tells us, your hand shaped me and made me. <laughs> That's right. Job says to God, you shaped me, you made me. God designed you to make a difference. God made you the way you are so that you could do what he wants you to do. You are the way you are for a reason. Ministry is using whatever God has given me to serve him and the needs of others. That's what ministry is. And God has shaped us all. So let's talk about it, your shape. Let's talk about shape here. How many of you have heard this before, shape? Oh, good. Going to be brand new for everybody, right? All right. Shape. 
Here it is. S stands for spiritual gifts. This is how God has prepared you for good works. Spiritual gifts. So it answers the question, what am I gifted to do? You ever wondered that? In the church, man, what am I gifted to do? And I don't have time to go full on into that. I know when you go through the process of becoming a member here, you go through a spiritual gifts assessment. And so I would imagine many of you have been through that. And so it would help you sort of get started down that road of discovering the gifts that God's given you. But Paul told us in 1 Corinthians, he said, each of you has your own gift from God. One may have this gift and another has another gift. But everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got gifts from God. See, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when you're saved, he doesn't just come empty-handed. doesn't come empty-handed. He brings a gift with him. Not just himself, that's enough of a gift, but he brings even more than that. He brings a spiritual gift. He brings a supernatural ability to do a specific ministry that God would have you to do. You get a spiritual gift. Now, the Bible lists different spiritual gifts. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, I love this one. Uh, it's not an exhaustive list, but just to give you an idea. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, uh, each one of us, uh, we're, we're one body with many members, and these members do not all, all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He said, we're one body working together, and we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's in, to encourage, he said, then give encouragement. If it's to give, he said, then give generously. If it's to lead, he said, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He gives some spiritual gifts that are there among the body that God has given to one. He said, your gift may be this, your gift may be another. I find that many people make it their life's passion to try to make everybody else's spiritual gift, uh, make their spiritual gift be everybody else's spiritual gift. <laughs> You know, and it's just not that way. Not everybody can do what I can do. And I can't do what you can do. We're different. And so to expect someone to serve in the same way you serve is, is useless and foolish. So this passion in Romans, it gives some great spiritual gifts, but it's not an exhaustive list. There's also, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's other gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's some other gifts listed. Uh, in First Peter, we see some other gifts listed. And so there, there's many spiritual gifts that God has given, and we all have a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has brought to us. And he gives them not for the individual soul use. It's not just for you to use for yourself. He, he gives it for the edification and the common good and the good of all of the church. So you've got a spiritual gift. We all do. Every Christian is gifted. We all are. And God doesn't waste any gifts. Every spiritual gift that you have came from God and is to be used in ministering and serving. Spiritual gifts haven't been given for your enjoyment. They've been given for you your employment <laughs> as you work and serve him. So I would encourage you to move forward in finding your spiritual gift. If you, and if you've done that, that's good. Begin to move in it. Begin to act in it. Spiritual gifts. God has shaped you. The H stands for heart. See, it's spiritual gift, and then your heart. Now think about your heart. It answers the question, what do I love to do? What do I love to do? I often find, and I think this is usually true, what someone loves to do is usually in the area of their gifting. Because you're good at it, right? How many of you like to do something you just ain't no good at? 
I mean, that ain't no fun, is it? If you're not good at something, you don't like to do it. You might, it might be fun to try it, and then you go, I'm just no good at this. I'm done with this. That's what I did with playing golf. You know, I tried it, and I thought, it's pretty fun. And I thought, I'm no good. I'm done. <laughs> Every now and then, maybe hit it around, but not much. Wasn't worth it. But your gifting and your heart are going to line up. We've got some kind of misconception that, that God's given us a gifting that we're going to just be miserable using. That God has given us a, a way to serve him. He shaped us. He formed us to serve him. And we're going to be miserable doing that. And that's not true. What do you love to do? You're going to find your gift also reflected in that because you're going to be good at it. And when you're good at something, you enjoy doing it. Proverbs 27, 19 tells us, As a face is reflected in the water, so the heart reflects the real person. Your heart will reflect. The heart is very important for your service for the Lord. See, in your heart is the core of your motivation. It's where it comes from. It comes from your heart. And the heart is just another word of saying passion. Where's your passion at? What are you passionate about? What do you really like to do? I talked about desires a week or two ago. Philippians 2, Paul said, For it's God working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. He'll give you that desire. He'll put that in you to serve him in a manner that you will enjoy and that you'll find and that you'll have the power and that you'll have the gifting to do that. But not every person has the same passion. And just like with gifts, I find with heart and with passion, some people make it their life work to make sure that other people have the same passion as they have. And it just doesn't work out that way. I, I can believe in something and think it's a great thing, but maybe I'm not as passionate about it as you are. And that's okay. Maybe some things I'm highly passionate about. And maybe you're like, hey, I agree with you, but... That's just not where my heart is. I agree with you. I'll try to help you out, but it's not my, it's not my passion. I ask people this sometimes, especially younger, young people, uh, teenager students and you know, people getting started in their life and family and career, looking, looking at that. And I say, think about this. What is it that you would do for the rest of your life? You would do this for the rest of your life if you never got paid to do it. You still do it just because you love it, because you have a heart for it, because you have a passion for it. What, what field is it? What area of life? What area of service? Where would it happen? What, would you, what are you going to do? Whether you ever get paid, whether you ever get recognized, whether ever, anybody ever appoints you to it, you're going to do it. You find people that are passionate about music. They're going to be in music their whole life. It doesn't matter. If they ever get anything for it, they're going to follow music. They're going to develop that, get those gifts they've got. They're, they're going to do that whether they ever get anything for it or not. I say, find out what it is that you'll do the rest of your life, the thing that you're going to have interest and passion and a desire to follow. What is it you're going to care about for the rest of your life? And then ask God to provide a way for you to do that and provide a living to go along with it, right? <laughs> That's good. You'll never work a day in your life that way. And sometimes God does it like that. Sometimes you have a calling to a specific group of people or a, a, a type people or a type person or a certain need. It, it, that can happen working in a hospital. That can happen working in a school. It can happen working in the factory. God can call you to anything. He Working in the office, you just say, man, I love this. And God has called me to it. Your passion, your passion. Guard your heart. Proverbs tells us, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. If you have enthusiasm for something, and you're effective at it, you're good at it. 
that's a good idea that that's a place of service for you. Now, it's not to say that something has to be your primary passion, and that's all you can do. Some people do that. Some people say, you know, like these chairs, if they've got to be taken down for something this week. Somebody looks off and goes, you know, man, my passion's playing guitar, not putting up chairs, <laughs> right? Everybody can help put up chairs who's physically able, amen? Okay, we, that doesn't mean we can't do some other things, but I'm just saying, your, your primary service for God is going to fall within your gifting, and it's going to fall within your passion, it's going to fall within your heart. So that's S, and that's H, spiritual gifts, heart. The A stands for abilities, abilities. Now, sometimes we get the idea that, there, well, there are spiritual things that God gives, spiritual gifts, and then there's like these natural abilities. And everybody has natural abilities, okay, that maybe they're not listed off in the list of spiritual giftings we find in the New Testament that I was referring to. Maybe they're not listed there. And we think that those abilities, that they don't seem to count. Really, all that counts is those spiritual gifts, those, those real spiritual sounding things like prophesying and teaching and mercy and leadership. Those things sound really important. We put people on a pedestal that seem to have some of those giftings, and uh, we shouldn't do that. But we think that other things don't count. But listen, if it comes from God, it all comes from God, and it all counts. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, as far as being a witness to those around you, he said, eat or drink whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. I love this passion. There's a passage out of Exodus uh, talking about Bezalel. And look what God says. They're, they're, he's giving them instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And look what he says. He says, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uriah. I've chosen him. And look what he said. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He said he's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, bronze. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. He's a master at every craft. He said he's a craftsman. And he said, I have given him, him those abilities to use in building my tabernacle. So sometimes we think, you know, like scrapbooking or photography or other ways we can change in oil. Whatever we can do to serve those people around us. We think that those things are not spiritual but they are there's spiritual giftings and then there's natural abilities that we all have so whether it's an athletic ability a musical ability a mechanical ability craftsmanship cooking baking you can use all of those abilities that that god has given you and that you've developed you can use all of those to serve him and to serve others and you should so we use our spiritual gifts, we have our heart, we have our abilities, and then P stands for personality. Personality. This is part of how God shapes us. This is how he forms us to serve him is through our personality. Now our personality is found in our soul. We're body, spirit, and soul. And in our soul, that's the seat of our emotions. That's where our temperament comes from. And God is, God is saving our soul. Our spirit is saved and he's saving our soul. And, and, and so we take our personality and we serve him. We ask the question, how do my character qualities best suit me to serve? How, does, how do the qualities, the character qualities that God has given me, how do they suit me to serve? Now, I know when you go through the process of becoming a member at Smoke Rise, you guys use the DISC profile, the D-I-S-C. How many are familiar with that? Should be most all of you. And that sort of is a general way to begin to understand sort of what your personality is, your, 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 the profile of how God has sort of wired you. 
See, he's, we're not all the same. We can't expect ourselves to be the same. I love 1 Corinthians says, and there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things, but it's the same God who produces all things in all believers. See, he's got distinctive ways of working in us. He gives us different personalities, and that's a good thing. Wouldn't it be boring if we were all just alike? Wouldn't it be? I mean, if we were all just alike, we'd all just, if you were all like me, we'd all be screaming at each other all the time, right? Real talking real loud, right? Waving our hands around. Think about that. But God takes somebody like me and then somebody like you who's a little bit more laid back, sits still, listens more than you talk. And guess what? That creates a balance in the body. And, and, it, and it sort of rounds it all out and brings it together. Some people in here are just naturally reserved, introverted. There's nothing wrong with that. God made you that way. Some people are extroverted, like me. There's nothing wrong with that. God made me that way. God, God made some of you that way. Some people are naturally laid back. Some people are naturally high strung. Don't look at them. You know they're here, all right? <laughs> high strung. Some people are naturally funny. Just funny, man. Just everything they say is funny. Your former pastor, Toby, he's like that to me. He's just a funny guy. Some people are not as wired that way. They're just more serious. Not wrong or right. Not better, not worse. Just different. Complimentary to one another. Everybody's right as long as you're being yourself. We learn from other people's strengths. We learn from other people's weaknesses. We learn from one another. Every personality's got those strengths and weaknesses, and we have to learn to balance those off. You can take some of the good things from one type of personality and some good things from another, and you say, hey, I can use those things. We can, we can, we can sharpen one another. But your personality helps to bring together your total shape. So you can have the same spiritual gift as someone else has. You can have the same spiritual gift. Say you can have the gift of evangelism, all right? And you're someone who is naturally, you just love to talk to people about your faith. You love to share the truth of Jesus with people. You, you know, you just do that. And somebody else has the gift of evangelism. But let's say you're an extrovert, naturally just an extrovert, and maybe the other person's naturally an introvert. Still have the same gift. See, that means you're going to use your gifting a little differently because it'll come out differently through your personality. See, where with the gift of evangelism, if I'm an extrovert, I may be more willing to get up in front of a group of people and share Jesus. Or some of you, that would absolutely freak you out. But you build a relationship with somebody at work, and you share Jesus with them over time in your way. Maybe you sit beside somebody on an airplane, and you'd never get up in front of the whole airplane and take the mic and talk to everybody. I would. But maybe you just talk to the person right next to you, and you share Jesus with them. See, it comes out differently. So God has shaped us all uniquely, even in preaching. Lots of preachers have the gift of preaching, teaching, but it comes out differently through our personality. It's just different. It doesn't make one better than the other as long as we're preaching the Word. It just comes out differently. See, God didn't create you to be somebody else. And, and the mistake that some people make, and I've made it, especially when you're younger, you know, you sort of look and you see somebody and you go, I want to be like them. And so we start trying to act like them and maybe it's a good goal to have some of the qualities they have or you know get our life pointed in the right direction but you don't you're not made to be like them God says I created you to be you and I want to use you just the way that you are we have our spiritual gifts we have our heart we have our abilities we have our personality and then the E stands for experience 
experience. And this answers the question, what in my past has prepared me to serve God? What is it in my past that has prepared me to serve God now? All of us have a past. Some of us may not be very proud of our past. Amen? <laughs> Some of us may have things, may, may be like that. That's, but God will use that past. What is it in your past? See, the things that happen in our lives, he uses those to be part of our shape. Family experiences. How you were raised, the kind of home life you had. You know, you really have no control over that whatsoever. It's not something anyone should be ashamed of or anything. It shouldn't be. You have no control over that. But oftentimes God can use your family life, your home life, from when, when you were raised or, or younger. He can use that to help you minister to other people who maybe have a similar situation as you came through. God uses different things. Our family, our, our education helps to shape us into who we are. It's part of our shape. Relationship experiences are part of who we are. That's our past. Vocational experiences, jobs maybe you've held, experiences that you've had in the church can help shape you. God uses it all. And, and also, I want you to pay close attention because God uses, specifically he uses, hurtful, painful experiences to shape us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Praise be to God, our Father, our Lord of Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And why does he comfort us in our troubles? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's something. Now, we don't like hurtful, painful experiences. Sometimes they're result, again, sometimes they're, they're, they're no fault of our own. Sometimes they are fault of our own. Sometimes we just made some bad decisions, some bad choices. And it resulted in hurt and pain in our life. But God will use that. We don't like those experiences. We may not be proud of them. But some, many times God uses those maybe more than any others in our lives to help us and to grow us. And allow us to be used by him. He says he comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we received from him. You've heard it said, it's so true, that God never wastes a hurt. He doesn't waste a hurt. So when you look back on your life, you look back on the experience of your life, experiences, what is it? that happened, that maybe you, you don't like to revisit it. <laughs> but you can go and help other people in that same circumstance. Every time you have a hurt, it's an opportunity for God to work and for God's power to flow. You guys know Paul. He, he had a, what he called a thorn in the flesh, right? We don't know what it was. Many people say he was bald. That was his thorn in the flesh. I can relate. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Some people think that Paul probably was bald. He had this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but he asked God to remove it, and he asked God to remove it, and he asked God to remove it. It was painful, apparently. 
a, a thorn in the flesh hurts, right? And he gave us what God told him. He's God, what God tell him? My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And I'll say that to you. His grace is sufficient for you. Whatever you've been through, whatever you've come through, maybe you made bad decisions, maybe, you got, maybe you've been strung out on drugs, maybe you've been in addiction, God will use that. And he's not only said my grace is sufficient for you, but then he said, Paul, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, that's where the power is going to flow from your life. It's through this weakness. See, we all think we got to work out of our strength. God says, Paul, work out of your weakness. Work out of the place that hurts. Work out of that. So Paul said, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness. He said, I'm just going to tell everybody about my weakness. And he did when he shared his testimony. He would say, look, here's who I was, but God. Here's who I was, but look what God did in my life, and now look who I am. And he says, I'm going to do that so Christ's power may rest on me. That's how God will use him. See, there's hurting people all around us. There's hurting people here today. You have people that come that are new to this fellowship, that visit, that come. They don't come for no reason. When people come that are out of church, not in church, and they visit a church, they, they just don't wake up on a Sunday and go, hey, let's just go to church. Something's going on in their life. Something's going on in their family. And they look and they go, we need God. And this is where they know to find God. Sometimes it's all people know. Let me go where God's people are. God will be there. So look, at, there's hurting people everywhere. Be careful how you treat people. We're around hurting people every day at work. We're around hurting people every day at school. When you walk up and down at the aisles of the grocery store, when you're at the ball game, people are hurting. And you've got some experiences in your life that when God brings it all together, he shapes you together to be able to minister to those people, to serve them. You're not better than them. We're, we're, you're less than them, and you're serving them. Servants are less than their masters. So, Allow God to use you in those situations. Find places where you can intentionally serve him in the church, yes. But find places where you can serve him outside the church. See, when, when you in the church, when you go and you keep the nursery, or you go to children's church, and people come and they visit and they bring their children with them, and they are able to go and bring them and put them in a great environment that you're helping create, those, those people bring hurts with them. They bring pain with them. They bring the struggles with them. And so just don't look at it like, well, I'm just over here watching kids. No, you're, you're given the opportunity for maybe those parents to come and to be able to sit and to experience the presence of God with the people of God. It all matters. It all matters. Use those to serve him. Let people know, I can relate to you. Don't be afraid to share those things. So we have a summary statement. Put that last statement up there. Let's read this. This will sort of bring it all together. This summary statement here at the end. You got that? Hope I sent that to you, Dad. Maybe not. 
Okay, if I don't have it, that's fine. It's a summary statement that tells us that God uses our gifts and our passions and our abilities and our hurts to serve him. It all comes together. Now, within the context of the church, there's, there's service and there's leadership within the context of the body. There's service and there's leadership. There's got to be leadership in the church. Has to be. He's the shepherd. He specifically calls and appoints people. I, I, I believe pastors, elders are called by God, not just appointed by man, but they're called by God to be the under-shepherds and to provide service, to provide leadership. And we say, and y'all know this language, we say that those people are leading servants. Then there's other people who God, like deacons, the word literally means servant, and they're servant leaders. And many churches get this flipped upside down. And it's a question every church has to answer. Who's going to give leadership to the church? And who's going to do the ministry of the church? And oftentimes we get it flipped upside down. And we think those people that are called and, a, 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 and, and set aside as elders and pastors and staff people, we think that those people are there to do all the ministry. I come and I sit and I enjoy. And when I go in the hospital... That person, come, they come and see me. Or when I need something, I call on them. And most pastors, they have a heart for that. They really do. They don't like to see any need go unmet. And then other people sitting in the church who don't serve always feel like it's their uh, role in the church to provide the leadership and to tell everybody what we should be doing and where we should be going. You know what I mean? You got servant leaders and leading servants. And we might have to make sure that we get that right. See, if the church is going to be all God wants it to be, then your, your pastors really have to give up something. They have to give up that ministry to a great degree, that service, because that's for the body to do. That's for you to do. And, they ha and you have to give up something. To a great degree, you have to give up the leadership of the church and allow those, those elders and those pastors to lead the church as the under-shepherds. That's their calling, their responsibility. It's a big responsibility. We have to, we have to see it that way. And we're, we're told that, Ephesians tells us that we are to equip as pastors, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's not the other way around. So we all have to make a decision. Every church has to make a decision. How we're going to control, how the church will be controlled. See, when the pastor does the ministry of the church, then the, the pastor can't lead effectively. And when the others take the leadership, they can't minister effectively. And so everybody has to get in their lane. Everybody has to get within their calling. Everybody has to get within their shape and serve God effectively. And that's how we can individually and corporately really do some great things. So to think that like there's some superhero out there that can do all of it, nobody can do it all. You're not going to have a pastor. You ain't never had a pastor. You're never going to have a pastor that can do it all. And guess what? You can't either. <laughs> Just can't. None of us can. So we find our place in the body. We're not the same. And God works among us with his spirit. 
so that we complement each other beautifully. All serving him to serve others. And that is how his kingdom is advanced in Hayden, Alabama and beyond. That's how God brings life to a community. It's how God brings life to a church. It's how God brings life to those who have no life, who are dead in their sins, is when God's people begin to serve him faithfully. Let's pray together. God has shaped you for service, not self-centeredness. He has shaped you for service, not personal gain. How are you serving him? I mean, just practically, think about it. Where's your service? In the church, how are you serving? Outside of the church, how are you serving? Are you allowing God to use you? He made you to serve him. He saved you to serve him. He shaped you to serve him. How unfulfilling and pointless it would be to just be saved, to think, I'm going to go to heaven. Oh, no. God's got a lot for you. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. God wants to use you. Today, the invitation is very simple. If you need to know Christ, make him your Savior and your Lord so that you can begin to really understand a lot of this, come today. We'd love to lead you to a relationship with him. In church today, those of you who know him, who claim to know him, God's calling you to serve him. Maybe you've been running from it. Maybe you've been avoiding it. Maybe you've been dodging, hiding, making excuses, rationalizations. Maybe you're using humility, saying, oh, I could never do that. I wouldn't be good enough. Oh, yeah, you are. If God's called you, you've got what it takes. A false pride. Whatever it is that you've been using to avoid service in the kingdom of God, it's time to step up. Listen, it's what this community needs. It's what this church needs. It's what our community needs. It's what our state needs. It's what the world needs. It's for God's people to start acting like God made them to act. And we have an opportunity to be a part of the solution, not the problem. Today I would call you to dedicate your service to Him. The altar will be open. Maybe you've been doing that for the wrong motives. Maybe you've been operating out of guilt and not joy. We would invite you to come, even now.